It's Parshas Kisisa. In Parshas Kisisa, we have a very, very puzzling episode called the Chet Egel. The Chet Egel has to be discussed in the context of the Dar that were Nichshel on the Chet Egel. When we think about the Chet Egel, we think about terms such as Avedizara and terrible, terrible consequences that come about from people that were mutinous, people that were rebellious, people that were not that were not observant of the Derech Hashem. But that's too simple an approach when it comes to the Dar Deir. When it comes to the Dar, which was the Dar that was Makabal the Taira, the Dar that was the Yaitse Mitzrayim, the Dar that were Zaycha to Kriyas Yamsuf, Ra Shifcha Laya Mashalaira Yecheskel Benbuzi, Amir Shifcha Lowly Midwife, Alayam was Zaycha to see Madregas of Nebuah that even the great Yecheskel Anavi could not see. These were not Stam people. These were not Stam lowly people that were in the mood for a, a rebellion. These were people that were Kedoshim and Tahirim. This was the greatest generation of Klai Yisrael in the world. Throughout Jewish history, there was never a dar that was Zeichet to the Hasagas that this dar had. And all of a sudden we find as the Pasuk in Sheashirim says, which alludes to this episode, this tragic episode of the Chet when the Melech was the Mesibai at the Makim of Matantaira, at the foot of Har Sinai, a few days after Matantaira, they would be able to plummet so fast and so furious and to be Nikshal on the Chet of the Chet to be Ayved Avedizara, to take a golden calf and to bow down to it and to dance around it. There's something missing. We have to understand how this could happen. How Klai Yisrael could go from a high rooftop, from a high, the highest peak, and come crashing down to the lowest valley. How is that Shaykh for the Dardaya? For this great Dar, it's not, there's something that needs a Hezber. Comes along the Beis Halevi. The Beis Halevi comes and explains the exact episode. The Ashkafas Hatayra had to understand the the tremendous tragedy of the Chetayego. How such a thing could happen? And the Beis Halevi says as follows: it says we know how every mitzvah that we do in this world, how it has such profound effects in the Eilam Yisrael Yainim. How every mitzvah that we do could change a universe. If you see the Nefesh HaChayim, if anyone studies the Nefesh HaChayim, he knows the profound effects that a person has on this world. How every mitzvah that we do, every word of Torah that we learn, how every good word that we give another person, everything that we do, it could change Eilamais. Our actions are not trivial at all. Everything that we do has tremendous relevance. 
in the big scheme. Everything that we do has a profound effect in the cosmic, in the cosmic aftermath of what we do. Everything is real. Everything is important. Everything that we do, every Maisa Mitzvah that we do, we are, we are building bridges to Shamayim. We are creating tremendous passages to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the Kisei HaKavid. And Klal Yisrael desperately, this great Dar, desperately yearned to have this communication, to have this open line of communication with the Rabbi Shalom, to be able to do things and have a cause and effect, to be able to do mitzvahs, to be able to do Avaidah, and to right away be able to have a direct connection to the Rabbi Shalom and to be able to affect the Ilama Islamayla, which will in turn have a tremendous hashpa lamata. That's what Akrish Baruchu expects from Klai Yisrael, and that's what Klai Yisrael wanted to do for the Rabbi Shalom. And so when Maishra Abenu was a day late, they didn't mean bad. Klai Yisrael didn't mean like we were brought up with understanding, well, right away, Maish Rabbeinu isn't here, let's make a new God, let's toss away the old and bring in the new, and let's rebel against the whole system that we had until now. Chalila v'chas to understand that Klai Yisrael, the Dardaya, would have such perverse intentions. Klai Yisrael meant good. Klai Yisrael wanted that they should have a makayim, they should have a place where they could go and do avayda and the Avaidah would be able to have a con- connection with the Rabbi Nishlam. That's all they wanted. No more, no less. And so they understood, and the Beis Alevi compares it to the Mishkan. The Mishkan was not yet built. But they wanted something like that. If we don't have a Maishra Rabbeinu, if we don't have a leader that could give us a direct communication to know what the Rabbi Nishlam wants from us, and to be able to be our conduit to get towards the Rabbi Shalom, to get closer to the Rabbi Shalom, and to tell us what mitzvahs to do and what HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects from us, then we want to build a place or a being that we'll be able to be Ayved, we'll be able to come to, sort of like a Mishkan, says the Beis HaLevi. That's what Klai Yisrael wanted, that we have something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we could have a communication with the Rabbi Shalom through this being. Whatever it is. And so they didn't stop make a, make an Abayi Zara, make a Gachka. They went to Aram. They went to the greatest Navi that they had. They had the greatest God of Israel. They wanted him to direct them. Tell us what we should do. We want to build a Makram that will be able to have a direct communication to the Rabbi Nishleilam. Tell us what we could do. Tell us how to build it. Tell us the exact way, and that's what we're going to do. Because we want to continue establishing a closer bond with the Rabbi Nishlam. We want Ruchnius. We have Shi'ifas for Godless. We want to get closer to the Rabbi Nishlam. Tell us how we could do this. That's what Klai Yisrael did at that moment in time. And Aaron, because he felt pressure that Klai Yisrael really wanted something, even though that he felt that it was wrong, but he succumbed and he went through the Misa of going through the motions of building them this Avedizara, this, this Chet, this Egel. And in turn, Klai Yisrael went and a portion of them were dancing around it, singing. And they were, Meish Rabbeinu, we know the rest is history, Meish Rabbeinu came and he saw this 
and he was very upset by it, and he broke the luchais. But the, what the Yisoyed of the Beis HaLevi is giving us is that it wasn't Stama Prasta Maisa Klai Yisrael were very, very well-intentioned. Klai Yisrael wanted to build themselves a Mokim that they could go and get a closer connection with the Rabbi Shalom. So what was the problem? What was the Taina? Why was there such a tremendous punishment that Klai Yisrael had to endure as a result of the, this Chet ego? That Chazal tell us that every single time that we get punished, it always has a, a shemitz of the Chet ego. We're still living with the ramifications of the Chet ego. What was what was wrong? It was good. It was a good thing, according to the Beis Halevi. Zakta Beis Halevi, there was one problem with the Cheshman of Klai Yisrael. And the problem is that you can't initiate a connection with the Rabbi Yisrael. That's not the way our religion works. Everything that we do is only because there is a mitzvah, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the one that commands us to do this. This is what I want you to do, and you follow me. I don't need a Klal Yisrael that's calling the shots. That they're initiating new inventions, new innovations in regards to the religion. The whole religion must come kasher tziva commands us to do what he wants us to do. It's not that we are being, we are commanding ourselves to do something because it appears to be the right thing to us. What appears to us to be true and accurate and correct and good is irrelevant. All that we have to do is follow the mitzvah, follow the Yaina tells us the Tayyad Mitzvahs, what to do and what not to do. He tells us through the Chachamim, certain Dirabonans, what we're expected to do. The Gezeris, the Chachamim Institute for our good. That's also from the Rabbi Shalom. That also comes from the Chachmas And everything other than that, if we innovate, that's treif. If we innovate, that's Avaydezara. And therefore, says the Beis HaLevi, that was the problem with the Chet the Chetayegel was not so much the, the, the evil in the intention. The intention was good. The Kavan of Klai Yisrael was pure and good and virtuous. The problem with the Chetayegel was that there was an inherent chisarin in the understanding of Klai Yisrael's relationship with the Rabbi Shalom. How the Rabbi Shalom is the mitzaveh, and we have to follow the mitzaveh. It's not for us to make up new religion. It's not for us to make up new mishkans, new avedas, new kavanas. That's not our business. It might sound good, it might be well-intentioned, but intentions are meaningless when it comes to being mechadish, new things in the religion. That's not how Klai Yisrael is expected to behave. And if we do it, that's considered tantamount to avedazara. Avaidah Zara by definition, what's the, what's the term Avaidah Zara? It's an Avaidah. You're doing Avaidah to the Rabbani Shalom. The only problem is it's Zara. Zara means it's foreign. You're worshipping in a foreign way. You're veering off the course. It's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. If it's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, you might have the best of intentions. But that's not the religion. The religion is following exactly what the Rabbani Shalom wants. Kasher Tziva And anything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not mitzaveh, even though, but it's a great idea. Let's do it. 
let's go, let's build something, a central avayda, something that we could get into. It'll be an icon, we could worship it, and it'll be really, by extension, we'll be worshiping the Rabbani Shalom. Such a great idea. It might be a good idea, but so what? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not initiate it, then that's avayda zaro. That's a strange foreign avayda that has no place in Klai Yisrael, it has no place in Yadus. That's not our religion. Our religion is not, let's make up something new, and HaKadosh Baruch will really like it, because it's our, you know, we have pure intentions. That's not the way it works. And to that, says the Beis HaLevi, the reason why the Kapara for the Chetaego was none other than the Mishkan, it was because the Mishkan was exactly what Klai Yisrael intended, but it was with the right way. What does that mean? It was mamish the same thing. The Mishkan and the Chet Egel, the Egel Azov was supposed to be a central nucleus in Klai Yisrael where we could go and worship and through Avaida that we do, we'll have a connection with the Rabbani Shalom. And that's what the Mishkan was. The Mishkan was a central place in the heart of Klai Yisrael that we could go, we could do Avaida Takarish we could feel a, a She'ifa and Ruchnius. We can get close to the Rabbani Shalom. We could make tremendous Rishim in the Eilamas HaLayinim, through every single Abayda, through every carbon, through every every single Hazar, everything that we do in the Mishkan is going to be a profound impact in Shamayim. But notice the Lashayinus of the Pasuk. Every Pasuk in Truman, Tetzav, and Kisis, and Bayakal Pekude, every, at the end of so many Psukim, it says, Kasher Tziva Yaisa Elikim. Etc. Etc. Everything was, but it was predicated on the fact that I'm going to give you something as a kapara. You know what the kapara is? You're going to build something. It's going to be the substitute. It's going to be what you wanted. But the only difference is it's going to be There's a mitzvah here. There's a boss here. I'm in charge. I'm telling you what I want you to do. And you'll follow me to the T and then you will get that connection to me that you so desire. But it has to be mitzvah, mitzvah. It has to be kasher Kim. Lacking a mitzvah, not only is it useless, not only is the connection, is the circuit not made, but it's considered avayda zara. It's considered a, a foreign god. You're not worshipping me. Your intentions are to worship me, but it doesn't work. All the Gayim in the world that are worshipping Abedazara somehow, some way, like the Rambam says, the Dar Enish had very good intentions. The intentions might be great to start worshipping Akadashbarku through an Emtsai, but because I could feel closer through an Emtsai, if I see something, something tangible, something visible, a Shemeshi, a Reach, that's going to be much better. I could get closer to the Rabbi Shalom because I can actually understand it. Says HaKadosh Baruch yeah, but that's Avedah Zara. That's not what I want. It's not Kasher Tziva Yisraeli Kim. It's, a, it's an Avedah, like the Pasuk says, Asher Leitzi Visi La'avdam. You're going you're gonna to worship icons, Asher Leitzi Visi La'avdam. I didn't command you. What does it mean you didn't command me? It means that your intentions might be perfect. You want to be Avedah these things in order to get close to me, but it doesn't work because that's not what I want. If I would want it, I would tell you to do it. By the fact that I'm not commanding you to do it, that means that I don't want it. And if you're doing something that I don't want, that's Avedah Zara. That's not the religion. You're doing something, you might think that you're doing good, but you're not doing good at all. It's a tremendous Avedah to do something. 
And that's why the kapara was dafka mishkan. You're going to do it. You'll build something. You'll have something to connect with me. But it's going to be through on my terms. Everything's going to be mitzad the mitzad. It has to come from me. It can't come from anyone else. I believe that that's the pshat we say in the in the parshas haketeres that we say on Shabbos. Some say it every single day. We say tani bar kapara. Ilu hayen meisein ba kortov shal devash ein adam yachalama mipnei recha. If you would take that mixture of the of the keteres hasamim of those samimonim, and you would add a drop of honey into this mixture, ein adam yachalama mipnei recha. What does that mean? A person would chalish from the smell, the smell of such a concoction, such a such a composition. Of those samamanim, plus a quart of shaldavash. If you'd add a bit of honey, the smell would be so divine that people would just start fainting all over from the, from the beauty of the aroma, from the magnificence of the, magnificence of the fragrance of the, of the samamanim. Together with a quart of shaldavash, it would be a gewaldic smell, it would be mamish heaven. Velamai ma'arim ba'davash. So Barkapara continues and asks, so Taka, why don't we? Why don't we put honey in this mixture? Wouldn't it be great? It would be mamish, it would be the most amazing mixture in the world. Let's do it. Because the Torah says, I don't want you to put honey, I don't want you to put sa'ar into this mixture. Don't do it. I, but why not? Let's do it. It's great. It's going to be amazing. A little bit of honey would, would just perfect this thing so much. I could have a mixture of this and I'll put a little honey in it and that would mamish make it perfect. It's missing this, this, this one ingredient. Let's do it. Zakbar kapara, don't dare do it. You know why? Because you might think that you're adding something. You might think that it's a great addition to make to this recipe. Throw this in the, in the pan. It'll be mamish unbelievable. It'll be such a greater aveda. No. You're not doing it because you think it's a good idea. You're not doing it because in your mind this is going to make the religion so much better or the Abayda is going to be so much sweeter. says, It's on my terms. You listen to me. You're not doing things on your own volition. The religion is not telling, is not let's all do what, what, what feels good or what we think is going to be great. We listen to the Torah, and the Torah says, don't put honey in it, so you don't put honey in it. Aye, but you're missing out, you're not missing anything. The Abayda is not what you think is good. The Abayda is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu determines is what the Abayda is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chach Masai knows exactly the Cheshpainis and the Kavanas of each and every one of the Samamanim, each and every Abayda in the Mikdash. Don't add. Don't add. And the Mepharshim say, because when you add, your memela going to be taken away. Any addition that we could possibly add is nothing but subtraction. Because the religion is the religion. The Shulchan Aruch is the Shulchan Aruch. And if a person thinks, well, I'll add, I'll make it better, you're not making it better. You're destroying it. This was the constant problem throughout history. Throughout the history of Klai Yisrael, of all the problems that we've had, be it with the Tzedaikim, or the Baisusim, 
or the maskilim, or the reform, or the conservative. What's the problem? The problem is that they thought in their minds that they were adding devash. They're going to add something to the religion, and they're going to improve the religion. They're not necessarily evil people. They're not bad intention people. They want to, they want to be, let's make the tent broader. Let's make much more, let's be more open-minded. We have to modernize the religion. If we allow people to drive on Shabbos, then attendance in the synagogues and the temples will go up dramatically. If we change the rules of conversion, if we say that, uh, if we say that, uh, that, that paternal yichas, if, uh, if, the, if the father's Jewish, then that means the son is Jewish, that will automatically make that there's so many Jews in the world, more, more Jews in the world. Look how many Jews we're, we're losing to intermarriage. We could stop that problem if we just change a sif and shulchan aruch. They are trying to add devash. They're thinking that they're improving the Torah. The masculine were thinking that if we could just change it a little bit and not do this and do this a little bit more, that would make the Torah so much better. But that's Avaidah Zara. That's an Avaidah Shalom. Don't tamper with a religion. The religion is what, what it is. Shulchan Aruch is exactly as it's supposed to be. And if you change, if you add Seifim, or you erase Seifim, if you change words, if you add words into the Nusach or you take away words from the Nusach you might think that it's a devash. You might think you're making the religion much more palatable, much more sweet to the Hamaynam, a much more inclusive religion. Seh! That's not inclusiveness. That's destroying the religion, as the Chassam Seifer says, Chodosh is also min Chodosh is also minat Torah. Any new innovation that a person has that you think you're adding to the Torah, any such innovation is also. It's puzzle. It's treif. It's not an avayda that Akrishparuch wants. It's an avayda zara. It's a strange foreign avayda. You're veering the religion off of the path that Akrishparuch set for us. Any change, any addition, or any subtraction from the Torah's Meisha is nothing more or less than Avedah Zarah. That's what Avedah Zarah is. It's an Avedah. You might want to serve HaKadosh Baruch with good hearts, but it's Zarah, it's strange, it's veering off of the proper path, it's foreign. It's not what HaKadosh Baruch wants. There's no mitzvah, And if there's no mitzvah, then we have no right to do it. The halacha and the religion is all based on kasher tziva yisraelikim. If HaKadosh Baruch is commanding it, do it. If he's not commanding it, then don't touch it with a ten-foot pole. It's not for us. It's treif. It's puzzle. Don't do it. <coughs> My father has a very uh, of a collection of svarim. And many of them are very, very old. Very antique. And... Uh, a lot of very chashva kisvayad manuscripts from my great-great-grandfather who was the Würzburger Rav, Rebitzvuk Dei Valevi Bamberger, the Rav of Würzburg in Germany, was one of the G'dayle Adar in the 1800s. So one of the things that he has in his collection is he has the shas from the Würzburger Rav. It's a beautiful shas. A very, very, if it wasn't the Würzburger Rav shas, it would still be a, a priceless heirloom. It's... It's a very old chas, it's from probably the 1600s, with very chashava cover, a leather, chashava leather binding. The paper is mamish like, it's like a fabric, it's made of like, almost like a material. Thick, beautiful, luxurious chas. It's priceless, and in addition to that, it happens to have my great-grandfather's haggais, his chidushim, on, in the margins, in the gillion of the chas. 
So it's obviously a very, very valuable, uh, a very va- va- valuable uh, thing to in the mishpacha. So when I was in high school, when I was in high school, so I went to a very yeshivish high school, and anyone that went to certain yeshivas know that here we don't really have so much, uh, so many bound svarim, but in yeshivas. In, in many of the, many, many, many yeshivas, what they do is they have a special book binder in yeshiva, svarim binder, and there's a room somewhere in yeshiva, a small room, in which the svarim are bound. And basically you could bind your own, your own gemara, or, and when he's not binding people's gemaras, he's binding svarim of yeshiva. How do you bind a, a, a what's a yeshiva binding? You basically take a drill, and you, you drill holes, you drill like four or five holes into the binding. Then you take like a fish, a fish tackle, like a really strong, uh, you know, fishing rope. And you put it through and then you, you tie it and you pull it and then you put some, some, uh, some tape, some black tape like we have in the Gemaras here, uh, on top of a very yeshiva shabbat. And then you write on the, on the sides of the, uh, in, in some, uh, in some silver ink or whatnot, magic marker, you write whatever safer it is, and that's, a, that, that's the yeshivish binding job. So, when I was young, when I was in high school, ninth grade, tenth grade, my father's birthday was coming up, and I had a great idea. So, like, I'm gonna sneak out one shas, one, one volume of Gemara at a time. I'm gonna sneak it out of the house, and I'm going to give it to the binder in yeshiva, and he's going to bind all the all my father's gemaras one after another. It's going to be unbelievable. My father's mom is going to be so happy for you know that that now the it's not going to shake so much the the binding, and it's going to be it's going to have clearly which which gemara each each gemara is, and it's going to be unbelievable. And I mamish had had the whole thing set up. I already had spoken to the binder in yeshiva, and he agreed to do it for like five dollars a volume, and. Baruch Hashem, in the end, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I couldn't get them out. Something, I don't know what happened, but Mamash the Ad Hashem prevailed, and I was not able to actually pull off this, uh, this, this, this stunt. If I would have, I, mom, I would not be here today. That, that's Pashas. <laughs> you know, I would mamish be taking the Mona Lisa and, 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 you know, and putting a mustache on it. That, that, that's what I'd be doing. And my father would have every right to be, to be furious at me. But what's the, what, what's the problem? What's the problem with the Cheshpin? The problem is that I was good, I was very well intentioned. My intentions was, was golden. I was a young boy, ninth grader, that wanted to make his father happy and proud, and he wanted to take something special and make it in my mind more special. The problem with my cheshpin was that my father didn't tell me to do it. My father didn't give me rishos to touch his gemara. He didn't give me rishos. He didn't. He was not mitzavah me. It's not my gemara. It's his gemara. It's his shas. And he didn't give me the rishos to put a yeshiva binding on his shas. He didn't give me the rishos to do that. That would have been the chisaron. That would have been the taina. The intentions might have been wonderful, but so what? If I had no rishos to do it, then you're not allowed to do it. And I believe that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting up in Shamayim, looking down at some of the things that we do. 
at some of the things that Klai Yisrael does. And he says, you're doing what with my Torah? You're taking my Torah and you're putting Yeshiva binding on my Torah? I didn't ask you to do this. I didn't ask you to touch my Shulchan Aruch. I didn't ask you to tamper with Psukim in the Torah, to tamper with the Siddur, to tamper with the Birchus HaShachar. I didn't ask you to do these. What are you touching my Torah for? Leave my Torah alone. I know what I want for my Torah, and what I don't want, I don't want you tampering with. If it's Kasher Tziva, I say, if I'm Mitzavah you to do something, then listen and listen well. But if I don't give you Rishos, you might have the best Kavanas, but who asked you to insert your Kavanas into my Torah? Who asked you to put your binding on my Torah? It's not your Torah, it's my Torah, it's Torah Hashem, and you don't have the right to touch it. Who gives you the right to change my Torah? Who gives you the right to edit my Torah and to affect my Torah? It's not our Torah to change. It's Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. It's Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Yadus. It's Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Shulchan Aruch. And for people to come around and to say, "But I could add Devash. I could add a court of Shel Devash, and I'll make it much better. He'll be so happy. When he'll be happy? He's not happy. You're touching his Torah. It's his Torah. Don't change it. He knows what he wants." And if he's not mitzavid in Shulchan Aruch, in the Ramah, in the Mishnah Burah, then it's not for us to do, period. And this isn't just the masculine that we're addressing here. It's not just the reform. It's not the conservative. It's us. We all do this with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Tairah. We all, maybe not as, maybe not as dramatically, Baruch Hashem, but we all have our mitzvahs that we change. And we all have our own Shulchan Aruch. We all have our own priorities when it comes to Avedis Hashem. Some people say, I think we all say it to a certain degree, I love the Torah, I love all the mitzvahs, except one mitzvah I just, I, I, I don't like. Generally speaking, I think the mitzvah is Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara, I, you know, I like Taryab mitzvahs, I don't like that 613th mitzvah, it bothers me. I'm a Misafir Lashon Hara, I can't help it. I, but you know that, because who says, don't speak Lashon Hara. So why are you speaking it? The Teretz is because in a way, you are matzik somehow, some way, you, you justify that, that's for other people, that's for the Chavetz Chaim, it's not for me. I speak Lashon Hara. Some people are mekel when it comes to kashras. I'm not so machmir on this thing. It's not, it's not, I'm sure there's a sheet of somewhere in Shulchan Aruch that's mekel in such a situation. I, I'll be mekel. Some people are machmir, are, are mekel when it comes to other issues, tarot and mishpacha issues maybe. Some people are mekel when it comes to bitul taira. Uh, you know, it's not, I, I know there's, I know, but it's not, it's not my, it's not my religion. That's, that's some, that's for the former guys in Yeshiva. I battle. I speak Lashon Haro. I'm not mapping on this. I am, I'm, I'm overly, uh, I overly do that. We all make our own Torah. We all veer off. We don't always draw within the lines of Shulchan Aruch. And we know this. And every time we veer away from Shulchan Aruch, every time we consciously, and most of the time, if you're in Yeshiva long enough, you know right from wrong. It's very hard to say that a Yeshiva Bachar that's constantly exposed to, to every morning by breakfast, to, uh, to, to the halachas of Lashon Hara, and every, and very often in Vadin, and in Shmuz, and in Shiurim, and our own, own Musr Starim. We know what Lashon Hara is. 
And we, most Shia Bachim know that when they speak Lashon Hara, they're probably about to, they, they're aware of the fact that they're about to speak Lashon Hara. They're not just Shaigagin. We know we're about, and we make a conscious decision every time we speak Lashon Hara. I know I'm speaking Lashon Hara, but I'm going to speak it anyway. Why? Because I'm going to do it. I don't know why. But, but the Torah says don't do it. Yeah, but, but it doesn't apply to me. Why doesn't it apply to you? Well, I don't know. I'm not in a good mood today. I'm not, in a, you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding there. Whatever tarots that we have, there is something that we're, is missing in our, in our zika to Torah, in our hischaivas to HaKadosh Torah. If we really want to be Avdi Hashem purely, and we really understand the Musa Haskell of the Chet then we have to make sure to mamish stay within the boundaries of the Shulchan Aruch, the Aseiz and the Lais Aseiz. Not to justify, not to make our own religion, not to add certain things when we think it's, it's going to be better, we're going to, we'll justify certain behaviors or certain kulas because in the long run it'll be better, it'll be, I could be makar of more people this way if I'm matir, a certain thing which we know is usr. Whatever it is, all these things, it's, you have to go to a Paisik, you have to go to a Talmud Chacham, a Meir Derech, and see, is this right or wrong? You can't pass in things on your own because we don't always have the answers, or if we do, we have too much Nagiyah sometimes to answer questions efficiently and effectively and properly. A lot of times we are doing nothing more than making our own religion by being matir certain things that really there's no makam to be matir, but we're doing it because we've justified it. Just like the Dar, the Dardaya, Klayasar justified making an ego, and the Maskilim justified what they did. Everyone justifies it. But it's Avedazara. If there's no Mitzav, if it's not what Akadish Baruchu wants, it's not Kashar Tziva Yisraelikim, then it's dangerous and it's Chadash. And Chadash is also Menatayra. Something that's new, anything innovative, throw it away, cast it away. If it's not in Shulchanach, if it's not in the in Mishnaburah, if it's not something that Klai Yisrael has always done, then don't do it. Because if you do it and you justify it, you might have all the best intentions in the world, but if it's something that's out of the framework of Klai Yisrael, of the Teres Hashem, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking down and saying, what are you tampering with my Torah for? What are you patching with my Torah for? Leave my Torah alone. Don't make up a new religion. Don't be nichshol mecheta egel. And I believe that's why the Bechaira was taken away, the Aveda. Who were the Kaihanim? Who were the, the, the people that served in the Mishkan? It was taken away from the Bechairim and it was given Dafka to Sheva Levi. Because Sheva Levi were the people that purely responded to the call of Meshrabeno. When he asked me, whoever is purely with me and with Akrish Baruch Hu, come here. We have a war to fight now. We have to stand on the ground of Akrish Baruch Hu and fight the good fight against all the people that are going against the pureness of Tyro. And the Chavitz Chaim asks, why just Shevet Levi? Only Shevet Levi came. I thought only 3,000 people were killed in, as a result of the Chet Only the Erev Rav, I thought, were involved in the real Chet So why only Shevet Levi? Shouldn't there be like hundreds of thousands of people coming to Meshach Rabbeinu besides Shevet Levi? So the Chavitz Chaim said that, yes, 3,000 people were the ones that were actually dancing and physically being Eve the Egel. 
but every other person in Klai Yisrael except for Sheva Levi somehow, some way contributed to the Chet Ego. Either they might have given some Nizamim, they might have thrown some earrings into the pot, they might have thrown a couple of uh, quarters into the pot, or they might not have made a machah against them, they might have secretly admired what was going on or not protested vehemently enough. All of these things mean that you are a party to the Chet Ego. Only Shevet Levi were the ones that said, we are not going to let this stand, period. There is absolutely no compromise when it comes to Tairus Hashem. Mil Hashem Eli who's Taira by us is pure. This is Treif, this is and we are going to fight. And the Pasuk says, Yayu Mishpatecha Yakov. In the Tzchus of that Maisa, that they came and they answered the call of Mil Hashem Eli, they are the Paiskim of Klai Yisrael. They are the ones that are going to decide all the issues on behalf of Klai Yisrael because they understand this lesson that in order to be a Meirah Derech, a Meirah Haira, you have to understand that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Taira. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu purely is the one who is the Mitzvah, and we have to purely follow him. Any veering away from the pureness of Taira is Avedizara. And Dafka Sheva Levi, who absolutely did not have any Kesher with the Chet Ego whatsoever, they remained vigilant against any form of Chet HaEgel, they are the ones that could be the Paiskim of Klai Yisrael because they answered the call. When, I, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mila Hashem Eli, they went and they killed their own relatives, the Pasuk says. If their, if their mother's father, Yisrael, was being if they were being uh, worshipping the Egel, they would, they would kill them. There was no compromise when it came to Shevet Levi. There was no, uh, well, you know, let, let's think about it, let's discuss, let's negotiate. It's not that bad, maybe. Let's look at it in a positive light. When it comes to Shevet Levi, Shevet Levi are people that see clearly right from wrong. There is no gray area when it comes to Shevet Levi. You have to know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mitzvah and what he is not mitzvah. And what he is mitzvah we follow and whatever is not within the realm of Tairus Hashem is Chadash and Chadash is also in I heard once from Shimon Schwab, I went to visit him once in the summer, and he told me the following Maiso, which is a famous Maiso, it's very, uh, he's said it at, very, at many events, many big public events, and he's written about it in his books. But I was like to hear it personally, so it's a little more special for me. He once spent the Shabbos with the Chavetz Chaim. He spent the Shabbos in Radin, which was a very, very, tremendous historic uh, experience for him obviously but it was we were all beneficiaries because he wrote down every single conversation that he had heard from the Chavetz Chaim every shmuz that the Chavetz Chaim gave over the weekend from Friday till Sunday when he left and tremendous pearls of wisdom that the Chavetz Chaim always said but very few people you know bothered to write everything down as, as Rav Schwab did one conversation was a very funny conversation that he had with the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was by that point very, very old, in his 90s. And people could maybe think that he was not 100%. You know, he was already old, and when people get very old, their, their minds are not always there. So the Chavetz Chaim looks at Rav Schwab, a young Rav Schwab, who was maybe 17, 18 years old, and he said to him, are you a, are you a Kayin? says, no, not a Kayin. 
says, you know, I'm a Kayin. Chavetz Chaim says to Shwab, he says, everyone knows, the whole world knows that Chavetz Chaim is the Kayin Gadol. So he says, he says, you know why you're not a Kayin? Why, why you're not a Kayin? So Shwab says to him, he says, I'm not a Kayin because my father was not a Kayin. He says, yeah. He says, but why was your father not a Kayin? So Schwab was like maybe thinking, you know, all right, let's, let's go through this, I guess. So, you know, my, my grandfather was not a Kayin. Okay, why was your grandfather not a Kayin? says, because my great-grandfather was not a Kayin. So Chavetz Chaim says, no. says, the reason why you're not a Kayin is because your great-great-great-grandfather, when Moshe Rabbeinu called out, Mila Hashem Eli, my great-grandfather came running to the call, answering the call of Moshe Rabbeinu, that I am in your camp, I'm ready to do anything that I have to do to stop this Magaifa of the Chet HaEgel. And your great-great-grandfather sat on the sidelines and did nothing. He did not respond to the call of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Mila Hashem Eli. That's why I am a Kayin, and you are not a Kayin. Not mere genetics. It's because of an event that took place by the time of the Chet Egel and the cause and the results of the effects of the, what, you, what your great-grandfather did and what my great-grandfather did have impact, have a ripple effect until today. I'm a Kayin, you're not a Kayin because my great-grandfather responded to the call of Mila Shemelai and yours didn't, Period. And he says, you know something, that's a crying shame, says the Chavetz Chaim. Because the Beis HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt very soon. He says, and I am going to be Zaycha to, wor- to worship in the, in the, in the, the Avaida in the Beis HaMikdash, to bring the Karbanes, and to bring all of the Avaidas to the Mishkan of the Mikdash. And you are not going to be able to. All because my great-grandfather answered the call of Moshe, and yours did not. And he says, remember this for all time, he says to Rav Schwab. And tell everyone that you ever meet about this. And tell them that when you hear the call in your time, when you hear the call of Mila Shemelai, when you hear the call of answering purely Takrish Baruch wishes, make sure to run and answer that call. Don't ignore the call. Don't sit on the sidelines, but run and answer the call of Mila Shemelai every single time. And that will have a profound effect not only on you, but on your descendants a thousand years from now. This is such a profound message that the Chavetz Chaim gave us each individually. Every single day of our lives we have a calling of Mila Shemelai. It's not always so easy to hear. But it comes up in every single time that we have a shaila, every time we have a suffolk in halacha, a suffolk in hashkafa. Should we do something or should we not do something? Should we speak the juicy words of Lashon Hara that we have on the tip of our tongue? It's such a great time. It would be such a great response I would get if I could just throw in this zinger into the conversation. Should I do it or should I not do it? Mila shemelai. There's a calling. Are you Hakadosh Baruch Hu's evid or not? Are you obedient? Are you are you are you completely completely obedient Hakadishbahu's tire or not? That's what it comes down to. And if you are, then not only are you going to be Zaycha, but in a thousand years from now your children, your great grandchildren will be Zaycha to higher Hasagas and Ruchnias 
in Avedis Hashem as a result of your response, your correct response to Mila Hashem Eli. If you have a Shailan Ashkafa, I'm not sure if I should do this or I should do that with my life. I'm not sure if this girl is right for me or if this girl is right for me. I'm not sure exactly which Mahalach I should do. I don't know what I should do in the summer. I don't know what I should do in the... I don't know. Mila Hashem Eli. You have to know, don't pask in Shilas on your own. Don't try this at home. There is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there is a Mitzvah, there is a Das Taira, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants a certain thing from you. And very often we know right from wrong inside. We know what the right answer is. But we ignore the right answer because it's not convenient. It's inconvenient sometimes. And we'd rather do it on our own. We'd rather forge in a different path because it's easier, it's more gishmak, it's more lucrative, it's more luring. But that's the calling of Mila Shemelai. And as Bnei Taira as Shevet Levi, and Bnei Taira are the Shevet Levi, Bismaneinu, that's what the Ramam says. You have to always make sure to answer every single time to the call of Shevet Levi, of Mila Shemelai. And if you do that, as the Chavitz Chaim says, and you're going to be Zeicha, not just yourself, but your great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be Zeicha, to be Kaihanim, to be the Shevet Levi of their Dairis, to the, be the Paiskim of their Dairis, because they had you as the, as the, as the road blazer, as the one that's setting the path in their life and in your own life to respond to Mila Shemelai, to, to throw away, to cast away the Avedizaris of our Dar, the, the things that lure us, the eight Saharas that are trying to get us away from the Tairis Hashem, that are trying to entice us and to say, there's another eight so we could do something else. And maybe this will be better because of this, that, and the other reason. But you know in your heart of hearts, or maybe you don't, and that's why we need Rabbanim, and we need Paiskim, to make sure that what, our, what we're saying, and what we're doing, and what we're thinking, and the path that we're forging for ourselves is the one that follows the Derech Hashem, the one that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is being mitzavah to us, and never ever to go off course, and never ever veer away from even one ice, a shal yod of the Torah of the Shulchan Aruch of our Rabbanim. That's the site of Shevet Levi. That's why Dafka Shevet Levi was Zeicha to be Yerim Mishpatech Yaakov and Mitzvah Hashem. We should all be very, very wonderful members of Shevet Levi for the rest of our lives. Chabbos.